Hello. It's episode three, guys. Get hype. Woo! We're really excited about today's episode. If you can't tell. We have a lot to discuss. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, welcome back to Don't Fuck With Ghosts. I'm Greer. I'm Betsy. We are your Blow Sisters. Yes. And if you're tuning in for the first time and you don't know what Blow Sisters are, go listen to episode two. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. First five minutes and you're go- you're golden. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay, well, let's just get right into it. Mm -hmm. First, I wanted to talk about something that I forgot to talk about last week because we were talking about exorcisms, and um, I don't know if you've ever seen Demon House. No. It's the documentary, I think, that Zach Baggins did. (laughs) Um, I think it came out in 2018. Okay. Um, but it's, it, he basically buys this house that these people used to live in and they were tormented by demons and like all the kids were possessed and all this stuff. I can't remember what their last name was. Um, I can look it up later, but, um, they, yeah, their whole family basically was possessed except for the grandma because she said that she had a guardian angel. Wow. But anyway, he bought this house and like made a whole documentary about it. Oh man! And their Netflix is doing like a drama series about it, so we have to watch. Yes. Oh my god! But I know you have beef with Zach Baggins. So. Yeah, I just think he's like a pretty boy, and I think of all the ghost hunting shows, like Ghost Hunters is superior to Ghost Adventures. So that's just personal, like you know, personal bias. Yeah, but, but I'm gonna I'm gonna watch whatever yeah, this man the, made because this man is wild. And he's yeah, jacked he, too. Yeah, but he's not involved in the drama series. Right. He's just in the documentary. Yeah, he's in the documentary, which came out in 2018, um, and the new series. I don't know when it's coming out. I think it's in pre-production, because okay. they like just announced it. And I think Lee Daniels, he had beef with um, this actress named Monique, who was in that movie Precious. Yes. They had beef. They had <gasps> yes, a falling they out. about it on Who Weekly, which is a podcast that we listen to. That's how I learned yes. about this. <laughs> okay, so, um, so they had beef, but then now they're like reconciled, and he like up to the reconciliation with offering her a role in this drama series, oh my God. Demon House. And, but it was conveniently because Octavia Spencer dropped out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, whatever works. Yeah. So um, that was a convoluted rambling. Uh, basically, I'm just trying to say that there's a new drama series coming out on Netflix that's about demons and possession that was based on a real story. Wow. That I'm, Zach Baggins also happened to cover. <laughs> I'm so excited. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Wow. So that's that. Yeah. But then we also wanted to talk about, because um, one of our listeners reached out to us. Um, her name's Ashley, and she's a media, a psychic medium, and she sent us a DM. Hold on. I have to pull it up. For anyone who might want to go to her page, her user, her at on Instagram is psychic.medium.ashleyfay, A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H-F-A-Y. So putting that, putting that out there. Yes. And so the first message she sent said, hi, listening to the podcast and love it. couple things I got right away. When you said, hi, I'm Greer, I went, oh, they have a gift. Then listen to your story. Definitely a gift there. And Betsy, yes, it was your grandmother. Spirits who visit are not ghosts. I know you feel the same way, but she said she wasn't going to miss a get-together. She's actually a spirit guide of a new child in your family. 
So call me intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this, so I was in a meeting and I get a phone call from Betsy. And of course, like anytime I get a phone call, I'm not expecting, I'm immediately thinking, oh my God, someone's dead. She's been in an accident. She needs help. She's having a breakdown. And so I text her and I'm like, I can't answer. I'm in a meeting. Is everything okay? And she was like, everything's fine, but check the don't fuck with ghost DMs when you can. And so like I checked and I was like, what the fuck is going on? But this was crazy because, so she said, hi, I said, hi, I'm Greer. And she said, oh, they have a gift. And then she clarified later on that the gift she was talking about, she said, I feel she can feel things before it happens more on the psychic side. Um, And that like kind of freaked me out because, so to clarify, like, I don't think that I, I've never thought I've had this gift I guess before in my life but there was one extremely specific instance where something like that happened where I felt it was like a premonition that this thing was going to happen and then it happened and that like stuck out in my mind as soon as I read that message and it like really kind of shook me to my core um so I'll just explain what that is what that story is and then we can talk about what she said about Betsy and her family because that stuff was wild too um but so my dad is um, sick and has been getting treatments for his sickness for a while now. Um, and there was a day in September of 2020 where I was going to go home to work for my parents' house for the day. Um, my mom was going to be at work and I just wanted to keep my dad company. So I drove home to my parents. I'm like five minutes from them. So I drove home that morning um, and I talked to my dad earlier in the day. He was getting some treatments done. And he was like, I'll be home probably around 9.30. So I was like, okay, great. I'll see my dad when he comes home at 9.30. And so I get over to my parents' house at like 9. And I start doing work for the day. It's 9.30. He's not home yet. But I'm not like worried because my dad likes to get, he likes to go to McDonald's and get a milkshake after his treatments. I mean, who doesn't? I mean, yeah, seriously. And that takes up, up some time. And then I was like, maybe he went to stop at Safeway to get some groceries. So I wasn't, you know, particularly concerned Um, But then 10 o'clock rolls around. He's still not home. And my dad is the type of person who um, he calls me every single day. He called me like at 530 today before I headed over here to record. And so he calls if he knows he's going to be running late to let me know. And he would have asked if I wanted something from McDonald's or wanted like lunch from the store. So it was around 10 and I hadn't heard from him. And I started to have this like really sinking feeling in my chest that so Basically, as a result of my dad's sickness, he has had seizures sort of unpredictably over the last few years um, and like pretty intense ones. And I've always had like this fear that he would have a seizure while driving and get into a car accident. And because I just feel like if if you're dealing with somebody who has seizures, like that's the worst possible scenario you could have someone experience that in. So that's always been something I've been like afraid of happening. But on this morning when he wasn't um, calling me and I wasn't hearing from him and he was running late, I just started to get this like sinking, like gut feeling that he had had a seizure while driving home and had gotten into a car accident. And the crazy thing was I, it wasn't like it was something that I was scared might have happened. Like I felt in my gut, I was like, this is the time that this has happened for real. And so I started to panic because of that, because I kind of felt like, this is about to happen. I need to like prepare myself for whatever's about to go down. But I'm like, okay, let me just call my dad, see if he answers. And then hopefully he's okay, but I don't think he's going to be. And so I called his phone and the phone like picks up. And for a second, I'm like, oh, I think he's okay. 
but it was a police officer who had answered, happened to see his phone ringing for mm-hmm. me, answered the phone, and basically told me, like, your dad has been in a car accident. We're at the scene with him now, and he's getting transport to the hospital. And I told her right away, like, my dad was coming home from medical treatments. Um, like, did he have a seizure while he was driving? And she was like, we think that's what happened, because he's really, really warm, and he's, like, just in an, in an, on, like, an awkward position in the driver's seat. Um, and that, like, what, that is the one and only time something like that has ever happened to me where, like, I basically knew what was going to happen before it happened. Um, but that was, like, the first thing that stuck out when she sent that message in terms of my own personal experience because Mm -hmm. my mom has a sister who has had multiple like dream like premonitions over the course of her life and I don't have the specifics on like the exact stories but it's always been of either natural disasters or um like sort of freak accidents and she'll have these dreams like two or three days before these events happen wow um yeah do they involve people she knows or like just in general it's just like general the general population oh wow um which I I mean god I think both would be scary but to know that like a natural disaster is about to hit a part of the world and just have to sit with that information and not be able to like you see it on the news yeah and there was one I tried to google this but like a lot of things like this have happened over many years across the whole world so I came up with nothing but she had a dream that she was in some sort of stadium and like across from her in the stands the entire stands collapsed and like there was chaos and ruin in this stadium and then three days later like a huge stadium collapsed somewhere in the world like I don't have specifics but she had an exact dream and the exact thing like played out it was the same half of the stadium that fell down happened in real life oh my god I know that's wild and my mom's grandmother was a tea leaf reader so I don't know if that has anything to do with like my aunt having this sort of gift or me having this one instance I mean if we learned anything from Harry Potter the tea leaves are premonitions and omens on mm-hmm. their own yeah so so. <laughs> so yeah when when I read that DM I was kind of like I was shocked because I feel like that would be a really specific thing for somebody to make up as like, a, oh, I, I'm a psychic and I think Greer has this gift. Like, that would be a really specific thing and an easy thing for me to be like, no, that's not true. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, that was very... Um, yeah. It was, it made a, it made an impression on me. Yeah, um, me but, too. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even about me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the stuff that she was saying about your family was like, it was wild. Yeah, it was just cool to get her, like, confirmation that mm-hmm. it was my grandma. And I also, what's interesting is that I was listening to another paranormal podcast the other day and somebody mentioned that spirits that appear higher are good spirits and she was floating whoa and like that could have been totally false but like that just was another thing that i mean i believe it (laughs) i believe it too (laughs) it makes sense you know yeah um and like also what she said about how spirits that visit aren't ghosts really resonated with me because like how we were talking about how like ghosts are trapped here are like are their own entity like their own kind of being whereas spirits can who make themselves known to their family are just like dropping in and making a visit yeah yeah that which was pretty much what we already thought and she was just confirming i know which was super cool yeah and then the whole thing about spirit guides now what i want to know and ashley for listening please DM us again so I can understand this better is the difference between spirit guides and guardian angels. Yeah. I tried to look it up, but I didn't really find anything super helpful with um, the differentiation. So 
I'm just going to assume that spirit guide's like a form of guardian angel. It's like kind of helping guide you through life. Mm-hmm. And unknow- like you might not know that she's like helping you make your decisions, but it, she could have some sort of divine intervention in your life, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it's like a secular term for a guardian angel. Maybe. For people who aren't don't like have a religious belief yeah yeah that's true but yeah ashley please let us know um Um, yeah so and then when we were trying to figure out who the spirit or who the child was that she was a spirit guide for i was like okay well we don't have any like brand new children in our family like since she passed so i asked her like do you know if the child was born before after my grandma passed and she used her pendulum and was able to tell me that they were born before so that again confirmed like okay so the only children in our family, like minus, you know, me and my brother who I was a teenager when my grandma passed. So I was technically a child, but like the children, children were my little brother who was 10 and, um, my cousin's twin daughters who were both six when my grandma passed. And I told her this and, or I told her that it could either be, I didn't say their, their ages, but I said, it's probably either my little brother or my cousin's twin daughters. And she asked me if they had possibly been two when my grandma had passed because she kept feeling the number two. And none of the children in our immediate family were two when she passed. But like I said, my cousin had twin girls. So that's Mm -hmm. two. And they were both born in, obviously they were both born at the same time. (laughs) They were born in February, which is the second month. Wow. I didn't. Okay. So we share these DMs for this Instagram account, obviously, but I didn't even put that together that February was the second month. Yeah. Like another meaning of two. Yeah. So I messaged Ashley and I said that I was like, well, it might be a stretch, but, um, they are twins. So that's two. And they were born in February, which is the second month. And she said, Oh, I just heard double the fun. Wow. Like from my grandma and said that she was like snarky and witty or sassy and witty. And my grandma was the pinnacle of sass. <laughs> like she was the, she was the sassiest grandma and she passed that trait to my dad, who was very sassy, who passed that trait to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a family trait, <laughs> um, started by her. So that was really, really cool. And that's also another re- like I started this I asked Greer to start this podcast because I thought it would be really fun but I was also like secretly hoping somebody would find it that was a medium mm-hmm. I manifested it Man. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah if you are a medium out there please send us any any readings that you you end up having yeah. on, on our show. Our DMs are open. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much yes. for taking the time, one, to listen to our episode. And answer our questions. Yes, Because exactly. we had many. <laughs> and just tell us what vibe you were getting on us. We really appreciate hearing from you. So thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, so I think next we have a listener story to share from somebody that Betsy knows. Yes. So, you know, my friend had recently had her bachelorette party Yes. and they went to New Orleans, which you and I both know is super haunted. haunted. Like one day we got to do like a NOLA trip just for, just for haunted tours. Oh yeah. Well, I went with, (laughs) I went with my boyfriend and we didn't do a whole lot of haunted stuff, but when you're walking around that city, because it is so old, you can just feel the energy is different down there in a really cool way. So we absolutely have to go. Yes. 100%. So one of their bachelorette activities was to do a haunted pub crawl. Oh, that's awesome. And 
one of the places they went to was called MRB Bar and Kitchen, which had a supposedly haunted bathroom, (laughs) um, which was haunted by this woman who apparently her husband was killed in the Civil War, so she hung herself in the courtyard. Oh, shit. And here, I'll read you the the original text. So this is from my friend's sister, Mm -hmm. uh, Jessica, and... She said, Betsy, this is so random, but it's Rachel's sister, Jessica. So I am super in tune with spirits, like literally get messages from relatives that have passed and stuff. So obviously we're in New Orleans and we went on a haunted tour last night. And there was one story about a woman who was a sex worker at this place that is now a bar. And she apparently hangs out in the bathroom. Um, I wanted to say hi to her. So I went into the bathroom and just tried to like meditate a little and channel her. And I felt her tap my back. Oh my God. And so I asked her to come through in some photos I took and she came through in an orb. (gasps) I love orbs. Oh my gosh. Look at the picture. You (gasps) see it? It's on her face. Oh my God. Wow. Isn't that so cool? Yeah. That's like the kind of level I want to get to eventually where like, I'm not afraid to ask them to like. Make themselves known. (laughs) As long as I know that they're a gentle spirit. But my friend was telling me that they were told that the spirit can be violent. Like she's lashed out at people and like like smacked them on the face and stuff. (laughs) So I guess if you like approach it like with a calming presence Mm -hmm. and just want to say hi and that you appreciate her presence and all that. Just, like, go at it with the energy that you wish to receive. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So that was super cool. Thank you, Jess, for sending that in. I would love to know how she learned, or Jess, if you're listening, I would love to know how you learned that you had this gift. Like, I'd be so fascinated. Clearly that fact comes with a lot more stories. So please, (laughs) please send them our way. Please. that is incredible. (laughs) Yes. So thank you again for sending that. Yes, Um, thank you. Please continue sending your stories to us. Doesn't have to be to the Gmail, but you know, that that's there for, for you guys if you want. DFWG podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can um, send us an audio clip, DM us. Text if you have us, our number, text yeah. us. You know, we are open to any medium. Ha ha. Pun, pun, Boo. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So that's that's our intro stuff. I think we're we're ready to get into our stories. Yeah, let's get into the meat of this episode. So um, today we're going to be talking about cursed objects. My object, I think, is a little bit more just regular haunted instead of cursed. Um, but that's the subject for today, and I think we've got some really good stuff. I don't. You told me not to Google yours, and I didn't. I don't even know what. I'm like looking at our notes right now. I don't even know what like two of those words are. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's like a movie, but it's a real story. I can't wait to tell it. Oh my it. gosh, okay, I'm excited. So my story is a little shorter. I think yours is going to be quite a bit longer than mine. Um, but today I'm going to be talking about a supposedly cursed painting called "The Hands Resist Him," which was painted in 1972 by an artist named William Stoneham. And I'm going to show Betsy a picture of the painting now, and then I'll describe it to you guys, and we'll also put it on Instagram so you guys can look at it while you're listening. So this is the painting. Oh, well, at first glance, it kind of looks like a photograph. I know. Well, it's interesting Wait, you say that. I'll get into is it. Is that a doll? Uh, yeah. <gasps> okay. So let me... Yeah, chills. Chills. It's very... It's really unsettling, and like the more you look at it, the more unsettling it gets. Um, okay, so let me, I got that vibe like immediately. I was yeah, like, I there's definitely hidden gems in there. Yeah. Okay. So let me 
think about how to describe this to you guys who are listening. Okay, so the painting shows um, a young boy. He's maybe like three or four years old, standing in front of a big glass door that's just full of glass uh, window panes. And he's standing next to this um, life-size like porcelain doll who looks like a little girl. Um, And it's a little... It feels like Uncanny Valley. Like, you can tell that she is not human, that it's a porcelain doll. You can see, like, um, the, the sort of break in her joints at her elbows and her knees. And you can see that she doesn't have eyes, but she has, like, a downturned, like, very sad expression. So it's, um, it's, it's pretty unsettling because of that. Um, but they're standing in front, and she's holding also some sort of weird... It looks like a canister that has wires coming out of it. And I think it... The artist I read somewhere said it was maybe supposed to be a battery, but like, I'm not fully sure. But they're standing in front of this glass door. The little boy has sort of a solemn expression on his face, Um, but sort of poking through the glass and the black door are all these disembodied um, children's hands that are reaching towards the boy uh, through this, through the glass door and just creates like this really unsettling feeling like something is coming for this boy. He needs to run. He needs to get away. Um, It's very, very creepy. So before I get into the story behind the painting, I just want to touch on a few things that inspired the painting, um, just to give a bit more background and understanding about its bizarre energy. So it's funny that you said it looked like a picture because um, the artist said that one of the first things that inspired him was a picture um, that was taken of him when he was about five years old or so, and he was staying with his grandmother in Chicago. And the picture looks really similar to the painting. It's him, I should have had a picture of that to share, but it'll be an Instagram. But it's a picture of him standing with a little neighborhood girl um, inside of their, their house's door. So the painting um, is almost like a direct interpretation of this picture. Um, and they're both kind of unsettling because it's you know an old-timey photo. Um, so that was the first thing that inspired this painting. And the second thing, um, this actually inspired the title of the painting, which is called His Hands, um, The Hands Resist Him. Um, and the thing that in- inspired the title was a poem written by his first wife. Um, I don't know what happened to her, but I didn't get much personal information about him. But his first wife... Uh, wrote this poem that I'm going to read here, and this inspired the title. He is of the seeing visions, his strokes reveal them, in a rush of color, of madness, of mystics, and his head is the highest center, it must confront its enemy. The hands resist him, like the secret of his birth. His presence is the sanctum heartbeat, felt in darkness and in passion, it sound the sole gift to that silence. So honestly, I, so I was an English major, and I probably should have spent a lot more time trying to figure out what exactly this poem means, but I interpret this as whoever the he is in this poem. He seems to have some sort of gift, talking about seeing visions, um, madness, mystics. Um, he has to confront his enemy. There's secrets of his birth, trying to maybe hide this gift. Um, I'm not really sure what the deeper meaning is here, but the poem itself is very, very eerie, um, and he just selected this line out of this poem, the hands um, resist him, which you see the children's hands in the painting, so it's all kind of creepy and fitting together. And then the third thing that inspired this painting was the psychologist Carl Jung's dream theories. So Carl Jung believed that 
dreams were basically the psyche's attempt to communicate really important things to the individual. And he, as a psychologist, valued them highly, uh, dreams highly, perhaps above anything else, as a way of knowing what was really going on inside the human mind. And in the artist's own words, he says, quote, uh, the children's hands are the other lives. The glass door, that thin veil between waking and dreaming. The porcelain doll is the imagined companion or the guide through this realm. So it seems like the young boy in this painting is trapped in some sort of reality that he's trying to escape. Now, whether the reality is the, the life outside of the door where there are no hands and he's trying to run away from the hands or whether his reality is um, in the door with the hands, I don't really know. But those are the three things that inspired this um, very eerie and unsettling painting. So, okay, now we're going to get back to the story of the painting. Um, the artist, William Stoneham, was commissioned to produce a series of paintings for the Charles Fine Garden Galleries for two years. Um, so he painted about two paintings a month for around $200 each. And his style is described by critics as traditional surrealism, which is a style of art characterized by like illogical scenes, um, things that are kind of unnerving and unsettling, and it's supposed to let the unconscious human mind explore itself. So if you're not familiar with the style of art, you, could, you probably know um, The Persistence of Memory, which is painted by Salvador Dali. It's the painting with like the droopy clocks in sort of the desert landscape. Um, that's like an example of surrealism. And The Hands Resist Him was the only painting of Stoneham's that sold at the gallery. And once it was sold, thus begins the painting's chilling story. So, a few years after The Hands Resist Him was sold, an art critic who had reviewed the painting named Henry Seldes died by suicide. Shortly after that, the gallery owner who commissioned the series died. And then, in 1984, the painting's original buyer, who was an actor named John Marley, who I think was in the Godfather movies, died as well. And Stoneham said this of his work. He said, quote, I'm sure it could have been a coincidence, but some of what I paint resonates in other people, opening the inner door or basement. He did that shit on purpose. <laughs> coincidence? Maybe. I think not. <laughs> So yeah, this guy clearly like has an idea of the effect that his art is having on people. Sounds or like a wizard. Basement. Wizard. <laughs> a wizard man. <laughs> um, okay, so this is where so you have these three consecutive deaths, and like it could have been a coincidence, but they all happened in like fairly quick succession, one after the other. Um, and it's just I think a little too convenient that three people who were so closely tied to this painting would pass away seemingly before their time. Like these deaths didn't seem like they happened because of old age and naturally. So. Um, I'm going to choose to believe that it was not a coincidence, but this is where it starts to get, go from creepy and kind of scary to just bizarre. So the hands resist him after this point mysteriously disappeared for about 20 years until it resurfaced on eBay in February of 2000 under a listing titled haunted painting. There's a whole like. <laughs> area of ebay that is just haunted items oh i'm sure. like Have haunted dolls oh, i love ebay but i would be so scared to even browse that stuff yeah yeah um and the seller remained anonymous on this listing so the listing explained that the painting had a sinister energy 
and had been haunting the family ever since it came into their possession. And I couldn't find much information on how the, the family came across this painting. Um, so if, if you happen to know the story and know that information, shoot me a DM. But part of the listing said, and this is in all caps, this painting may or may not possess supernatural powers that could impact or change your life. Our four-and-a-half-year-old daughter claimed that the children in the picture were fighting and coming into her room during the nighttime, which is really nope. unsettling. But, like, here's the thing. If you're... Because, like, kids have active imaginations. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a parent, how do you know if your kid is... Like, what they're describing to you is real or if they're just... Like, well, an imaginary friend, for example. Imaginary friends are ghosts. Yeah. Like, what if this whole idea that children have active imaginations is just adult figures talking it up to imagination when actual, actually it's just their reality? Yeah, and they don't want to deal with the fact that their child might be seeing a ghost. Or just, like, total skeptics. Just skeptics, yeah. Yeah. So... Yes, this poor, sweet four-and-a-half-year-old girl was dealing with this. Um, The parents set up a motion sensor camera to show their daughter that there was nothing to be afraid of. This was before they listed the painting on eBay. Um, So they set up this motion sensor camera, and they were going to be like, look, you know, nothing's going on. But they instead captured these really chilling images, um, which showed the porcelain doll, so the little girl, who the little porcelain doll girl who was holding like a canister with wires coming out of it. Um, the pictures showed using with, when you look at them with like night vision or some sort of like way to manipulate the photo, um, it showed the porcelain doll pointing a gun at the little boy. And so I have a picture of, I know when I read that, I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? But these are the pictures and they included these pictures on the eBay listing, of course, but you can see like, this could be a bit of a stretch, but by the Wait, third picture, oh. what's it, it supposed like, to be? So I think it's it looks like it's a canister or maybe a battery with wires coming out of it. But by the third okay. picture, it it looks like she's holding a gun pointing at the boy or like a switchblade. Yeah, <laughs> something not nice. Yeah, I know something a little. Oh, it, you know what? It really does look more like a switchblade than a gun. But yeah, mm-hmm. either way, um, they're saying you know we capture these images. Um, this little porcelain doll in the painting is coming to life at night. They also said that they saw the little boy in the painting appear to crawl out of the canvas um, as if he was frightened of the porcelain doll and trying to escape. And I tried to find pictures of this, but I couldn't find any. Um, I mean, I would assume they're on the original eBay listing, but this is from 2000. Like, part of my research on this had to come from archived website pages. Um, so I don't know if those pictures exist, but they're claiming that they saw the little boy in the painting appear to crawl out of the canvas, um, and the children would come into, like, come alive and come into her room um, at night. And the listing also included a, a disclaimer that the absol- that absolved the sellers of any liability for its sale. So of they course. were like, you can buy this, but like, if shit happens to you, it's not on us. And so mere hours after the listing was published, the link in the painting story went totally viral. And in 2000, I don't know how much that took. Um, but the listing got around 30,000 views before the painting actually sold. And it instantly became an internet legend. It had its, and for the time, this is big. It had its own page on Facebook, Wikipedia. Um, the artist set up his own website to share a story about the painting and his other work, of course, which was great promotion for him. It's also been the subject of countless online articles, discussion forums, and podcasts like this Mm. one. Um, Although, (laughs) 
So I searched for it on Reddit because I was like, let me see what people on Reddit are saying about this painting, if anything. And there were a bunch of threads, but the one that I clicked into, um, most of the comments were people saying that the kid looked like Peyton Manning or Dwight Schrute. <laughs> Or they were just straight up like, oh this my kid God. has a five head. Like, he's got a big head, which is true. He has a big head in the painting. But I couldn't find any <laughs> I couldn't find any conversations from 2000 when this was, like, taking the internet by storm. But I'm sure they're out there. If I, if I dug for enough hours online, mm-hmm. I would find them. Anyway, so many of the people at the time who saw this listing online claimed to have unexplainable physical sensations. So one, and this is just from, like, looking at this oh, listing wow. online. So one eBay user said that the image of the painting made him feel faint. Okay, not that big of a deal. Another one said that she felt like her throat was being tightened by an external grip, which... Mm, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. Um, somebody claimed that their computer screen went blank and their computer emitted a huge blast of heat after they saw the listing, um, which I thought was kind of interesting because I like never associate heat with spirits. I always mm-hmm. associate like cold or chill um, so that one was interesting to me. Maybe it was like whatever reaction it was having, like made the computer yeah, like, like heat up or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's probably true. Um, and then the same man, <laughs> he reported crying for no reason, which like same. Um, <laughs> he was so just overcome with sadness. <laughs> He's so sad about his computer. Um, another person, this one, this one's creepy. Another person claimed that when they tried to download and print pictures of the painting, their printer would like, like mutilate the the pages inside oh and would break down and so they like weren't able to ever to print, print a picture of this <gasps> wow which is that that one freaked me out probably yeah. out of all of these sounds that's scary um, yeah people reported hearing an exorcist like voice um in their homes or wherever they were looking at this listing and then other people fell short of breath and became suddenly and inexplicably like violently ill oh no i know so not good stuff coming from this and that's again that's just from looking at this online um which could be power of suggestion but to have this many and there were i'm sure there were so many other individual reports like i think you know i think there's something here especially the printer thing like Mm -hmm. that makes no sense to me um so anyway the original listing price for the painting on ebay was 199 dollars and after a 30-day bidding war, it sold for around $1,050 to a gallery owner named Ken Smith. Oh, my God. I know. So today, the painting lives in the back room of Ken's gallery, which is called the Smith's Perception Fine Art Gallery in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he bought this in 2000, and it's still there? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, at least according to the research that I, I could find. Um, and the reason it's in the gallery is because... Ken's children were like, we're absolutely not keeping this thing in our house. So right. It got, got banished to the art gallery. Good. We have some believers. Yes. And it's kept in like the back room of the gallery. Mm-hmm. And Ken has only showed it publicly like five or six times. because It's actually pretty good marketing because you can charge extra for them to go see it. You <laughs> no, know? it's kind of genius. Yeah. And I'm sure like he's made the money back from the 1000 that he spent on it. Absolutely. Oh, $1,000 in 2020. I mean, in 2000, I wonder what that would be now. I mean, 1000 is not is not cheap. That's a pretty penny. No. Um. But, so he has only showed it publicly six times because, obviously, it doesn't usually get, like, a warm and fuzzy response from his audience. Um, And he says that even though he personally hasn't experienced anything supernatural himself, um, he's he's received 
like many, many messages of prayers and blessings from people in the community, from religious sort of figureheads who've heard about this painting and can sense that there's something deeply evil about it. And as of now, Ken says he has no plans to sell the painting, even though he's received offers in the like hundreds of thousands of dollars to purchase. Um, he said, quote, the painting's kind of got its own mystique that's growing here. So I feel like it's exactly what you said. Like, if he hasn't experienced anything and he can bring in business for his gallery, like, I don't blame him for not selling. Exactly. <laughs> and then in 2016, an author named Darren Kyle O'Neill wrote and published a dramatized and like semi-fictionalized version of the events that happened with The Hands Resist Him. And it has a four-star rating on Amazon with 43 reviews, and you can buy it for your Kindle. So that's fun. Um, but unsurprisingly, he had his own spooky encounter with the artwork. Um, and I'm going to read a quote that he shared when he was talking about the creation of this book. He said, I first saw the painting online when I was living in Dubai. I printed it out and left it on a side table next to some other documents printed on the same printer and with the same paper. And anyway, I went to Italy for a month. When I came back, the air conditioning had gone awry and everything was green mold. The TV bed sheets, my daughter's cot and clothing, all of my suits in the closet, and the documents I printed were all green. But Ew. right next to them, the only thing that was perfectly untouched and white was the printout of the painting. Oh my god. So with that, I will conclude my short story about what many consider to be the most haunted painting in the world, The Hands Resist Him. Wow. I know. So it's a spooky-ass painting. I know. It's so spooky. I So I thought I had an initial story about another cursed painting, but there wasn't a lot of information on it. Um, but that one is called The Anguished Man, which <laughs> you should. <laughs> oh you my should God. just Google image search that one, because it's really fucking Now I'm, like, looking. scared to, search, like, look at any pictures I of know. a haunted painting. Now I'm scared you showed me that one. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I had, when I was, like, doing this research and I found out that people had all these reactions just from looking at the listing, I was like... After, like... <laughs> all these <laughs> this time having already looked at it yeah but uh, my my question is like i guess if you're not a believer then it doesn't really matter but for the people who sold the painting on ebay like if you have an object that's haunted why would you not just burn it i don't understand they figured somebody would want it they might as well make some money off of it i guess that's true that's taking a gamble that but that's another of like demon isn't going to be pissed that you yeah. sold it. Now, I'm not saying that this is the case for this painting, but a lot of those haunted objects that are on eBay are also it's just false advertising cuz you know, they know people, oh, for sure. people are going to want to buy it more if it has haunted Oh yeah. Uh, in the label, you know. Yeah. Def no, that's definitely true. Um, but I I'm going to choose to believe that this one is haunted. Me too. It just looks fucking It looks really it looks scary. so scary when you look at the picture. But Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my little ditty. That was great. <laughs> All right, folks. I'm Buckle so up. For whatever this is. <laughs> I'm going to save this really quick. All right. Okay. So, today I'm covering the crone of the cat skills. Now, I'm guessing the two words you didn't understand were <laughs> crone and the cat skills. So a crone def defined is in folklore, a, 
A crone is an old woman who may be characterized as disagreeable, malicious, or sinister in manner, often often with magical or supernatural associations that can make her either helpful or obstructive. Oh, oh, like an old crone. Like an, like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, um, so an, an okay. old, supernatural, creepy old lady. Oh. Um, and this story starts with two men who go hiking in the Catskill Mountains in southeast New York in early 2016. Oh, so this is recent. Yes. Oh, boy. (laughs) So the two men stumble upon a cave where they find a creepy statue with... It's a a carving, so it's, like, made to look like like a woman, Mm -hmm. and that's where the crone comes from. But it also has nails in its eyes... And a noose around its oh, neck. Oh, my gosh. How big is it? Here, I'll show you a picture. Okay. I don't... If I came across a cave, I don't think I'd go exploring. Here. That's what it looks like. Oh, my God. Yep. That is really frightening looking. Is yeah. It it's wood. wood. Yes, okay. it's made of wood, but wow. it's old, so it's, like, weathered down. Ooh. Um, but anyway, these men find this statue and one of them decides they're going to take it with them on their return home. Bad, bad. Immediately. No. (laughs) (laughs) And it was against his friend's wishes too. like the friend that he was with was like, no, you fucking idiot. Don't take this, this creepy ass statue out of this cave. This is the start of every scary movie. There's only one idiot friend. Oh, this is cool. (laughs) Nothing bad can happen from this. Well, guess what? You can imagine what kind of shit goes down after he oh, takes it home. Oh, God. Frightening poltergeist manifestations start to occur in his house. And so they turn to Reddit for suggestions. <laughs> Love Reddit. But it's, it's actually the friend that creates the thread. Okay. Um, so in January of 2016, a man using the screen name Wigged Hiker THR Way posted a thread on Reddit titled, Me and a friend found this creepy statue while hiking, and now strange things are going on. Anyone know what this is? (laughs) (laughs) And the post reads as follows. Last weekend, my friend and I went hiking in the Catskills near Sundown Forest for what it's worth and found this really creepy statue while fucking around in some caves. (laughs) It has nails in its eyes and a noose around its neck. Looks like it might be old. I don't think it's been there very long, but it's weird because this cave was way off the trail. Someone had a fire in there not too long ago. The statue really wigged me out, but my buddy decided to take it home with him, even though I told him not to. Everyone says that there's devil worshippers that come out here to sacrifice animals and do their spells and shit, so I didn't want anything to do with this thing. A couple days later, my friend calls me and tells me that he thinks the statue is haunted because it keeps moving from its spot and he keeps smelling weird stuff. Says he can't sleep at night because a banging noise keeps waking him up. Now, last night, someone knocked on his door, but no one was there when he opened it. Oh, my God. And he's super weirded out. He thinks he has a ghost because of the statue. It must just be a coincidence. But I think he's actually scared. Before we go to see... Before we go to set the thing on fire, I wanted to see if anyone knows what it is. Anyone ever seen something like this or heard of a statue causing ghosts? Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to think of what is the scary... I think a a knock on a door and nobody there... Mm-hmm. is so especially because, at like a, probably it was probably during the witching hour mm-hmm. because that could either be a ghost or a murderer like yeah no, especially because scenario is bad it sounds like this guy had lived alone too he had a dog but he otherwise lived alone Mm-mm. it's like let me go open this door <laughs> no i think not <laughs> 
So the post ends up going viral and people offer all kinds of advice and suggestions and thoughts, you know, as the internet does. <laughs> Some thought that the origins were in voodoo. Others thought satanic cult some people thought it was just there to, to scare hikers um some people wanted to buy it oh, is there ebay <laughs> and other people you know were just internet trolls <laughs> and were being mean so the user makes a second post a little update and it reads as follows my friend showed up here at like 11:30 p.m he's out of his mind scared never seen him like this before i'm going to do my best to remember everything he just told me because it was a lot but long story short, he's sleeping over because something is in his house. We found the statue on Sunday, and like I said, I told him not to take it because it gave me bad vibes, but he took it anyway. He's been an atheist as long as I've known him, so when he told me that something was going on, I thought he was just fucking with me because he knows I like to watch paranormal shows. He always made fun of me for it. It started out just as knocks and banging, but he said that by Wednesday, he started waking up in the middle of the night feeling like someone was watching him. This kept happening throughout the week, and every time he'd wake up, he would smell a really strong scent like pond water. Oh. He doesn't believe in any of this paranormal stuff, so he just ignored it until a few days ago when the statue moved from his desk into his living room. Oh, wow. He says that every night since Thursday, it's moved into a different room than where he left it. Elf on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> that is so... To move from a different room to a different room. Yeah. Also, the pond water is interesting because mm -hmm. I always thought it was like a rotten egg type of smell. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, there's there's okay. more on that. Got but it. um, So, he thought it was his dog moving around because it smelled funny, but his dog won't go anywhere near it. He says that she actually peed in the house three nights in a row, and she's never, ever done that. Oh. Last night, someone knocked on his door at three in the morning, mm -hmm. but when he opened it, there was no one there. His motion lights weren't on, and there weren't any cars in his driveway. He said that he opened the door to look outside, and that's when he knew that he made a big mistake. Like, he just felt like he shouldn't have opened this door. That's why I made this post in the first place. At that point, I didn't have any reason not to believe him, because it had gone way beyond a joke. And he actually sounded really, really fucking scared on the phone. He kept telling me that he was going to burn the statue because he knows that something followed him home. Anyway, he stayed up all night and then decided to go to the movies to take his mind off of it. When he got home, he said it felt like everything was fine, and he decided to finally go to bed. This is where it gets super fucked up. He says that when he woke up, which wasn't until like 10 p.m., it was because his dog was barking like crazy. He said the pond water smell was stronger than ever, and when he went out into his hallway, he saw all these muddy footprints <gasps> everywhere. Not like shoe prints, but barefoot. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing at Greg's reactions. <laughs> it's so entertaining to me. Okay. All of his doors and windows were locked. After someone knocked on his door earlier, he freaked out and made sure everything was locked up. So there's no fucking way anyone could have gotten inside. Sitting in the living room was the fucking statue, which had moved again. And he says that when he started to go near it, he heard someone breathing like his, <gasps> like his grandpa with the tracheotomy. Oh my God. I think I would shit my pants. I just gave myself <laughs> chills. <laughs> He peaced the fuck out, and now he and his dog are sleeping in my guest room tonight. I've never seen him this scared, and he was even crying. I have no fucking idea what to do. I believe him because he has no reason to lie about this, because it's gone way too far to be a joke now. I know that everyone says not to burn it or whatever, so what the fuck do we do? He wants me to go to his house to get the statue tomorrow, but I'm too fucking freaked out to take it back to where we found it, because I don't want to see whoever put it there. Oh my god. What do you do if you don't burn it? Oh, you might talk about that, but like, what do you, what do, you do if you don't burn it? How do you get rid of it? Well, you, you send it to somebody who can get rid of it is what happened. <laughs> oh, my 
hands. But maybe like if you can't find somebody that will take it off your hands, then you can like bury it or something. Yes. I, but I feel yeah. Because like, like in some instances, I guess it depends on the object, but like burning it can make it worse. Yeah. It's kind of the same thing as like throwing it out. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to throw things out, but like maybe give it a nice little burial. I don't know. It really depends on the object. This is so, so scary. <laughs> also, like, I would be terrified to let that friend sleep over in case, he, like, yeah, like it's attached. Right, because it seems like it's pretty. It's pretty clear that it's it's attached to the crone. Yeah, but like you don't. You never you, know. You never know. So it might have latched onto him or something, or like somehow gotten itself into his bag. Like oh. creepy, creepy shit. So this is when Greg and Dana Newkirk get involved. So you might be asking yourself. Who are Greg and Dana Newkirk? I am asking myself that. (laughs) They are a couple. They're married, and they are paranormal investigators. Um, They are co-creators, executive producers, and featured personalities on the award-winning television series Hellier, which is on Amazon Prime Video, um, which is they kind of go from town to town doing their investigations. Mm -hmm. But it's like a documentary style. Um, They're founders of PhenomenaCon, the world's first online paranormal conference, um, which... So I found out about this thing by listening to Ghosted by Roz Dresfelez, mm-hmm. and, you know, we love her. Um, and she she interviewed Greg and Dana Newkirk, and that's oh, how no they way. were telling the story, and that's how I found out about it. And I was like, I have to read more about this. And, like, so. Wow. It's it's crazy story. But, um, and she went to PhenomenaCon. Like, they invited her. If it's ever in person, we should go. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and they are directors of the Newkirk Occult Museum. Um, they're founders and editors for the week and weird, which, um, is, I got the main article that I used as a source for this, um, was written by Greg Newkirk. Um, and then it's one of the most, most read destinations for real life paranormal and horror content on the web. And the writing and video work are regularly featured both in print and online in publications like Yahoo News, Gizmodo and Coast to Coast AM, as well as in local and national news networks across the country. Wow. So they're like big time paranormal investigators. Um, and like their other big thing is that they have this traveling occult museum. Oh, it's a traveling it's museum. It's a travel, yeah. So they go on tour with it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, they have been dubbed the modern day Ed and Lorraine Warren. Wow. Which is interesting because Greg was on, on Ghosted. He said that they're actually trying to be the anti Ed and Lorraine Warren because Ed and Lorraine, because so basically the way that they approach. Um, paranormal entities and their their different cases that they investigate is that they see these entities as intelligent beings and feel that they have a responsibility to treat them as such so they they approach it with more so compassion and understanding rather than like immediately locking something in a box or like Mm -hmm. immediately throwing salt around it Mm -hmm. they try to give things the benefit of the doubt and try to like bring more awareness to paranormal uh, and supernatural beings and entities and whatnot, um, rather than people being afraid of them. So something that Ed and Lorraine Warren might have locked away might not actually be as evil as they had presumed it to be. So that's what they're trying to do. Okay, nice. Oh, ladies at the door. <laughs> She's sniffing. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's them. And a f- few months prior to the Reddit posts, 
uh, they were actually working on filming with the Finding Bigfoot team as their paranormal experts in their search for supernatural Sasquatch sightings. (laughs) Um, But towards the end of the filming schedule, one of the production assistants named Chris Carter um, was taking a break and he was scrolling through Reddit when he stumbled across the hikers thread. And, you know, at this point, he'd been around the Newkirks for a while. He knew what they were about and like all the different investigations that that they do. So he commented on commented on the thread telling him that they should get in touch. And he passed him the Newkirks contact info. Ooh. So later that night, they received an email from the hiker who they learned was named Danny. And Danny basically sent them a background email pointing them to the original thread um, to provide backstory and whatnot. And Greg responded by suggesting that he return the statue to the place he found it and apologize to whoever or whatever they'd stolen it from. He warned against burning, throwing away, or otherwise destroying the objects and ended the correspondence by telling Danny that if he was too frightened to handle the statue on his own, he'd be happy to take it off his hands to store and study the objects safely at their museum. Ooh, that's quite an offer. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so two days later, Danny sent another email that said, thanks for the advice. Today we went back to my friend's house to get the statue and return it. When we got there, I saw the muddy footprints he was talking about and the whole place smelled like a dog that had just rolled around in the dirt. His dog wouldn't even come in the house. He went to show me where the statue was when he left last night, but it was gone. When we found it, it was in the hallway and there was a big crack in the wall like it had been thrown there. He swears that he never touched the thing and left it in his living room. We did what you said and explained that we were sorry about taking it and that we wanted to give it back to the cave and asked it what we should do. I don't know if it was the feeling you were talking about, but we both just felt like we should never go back to that cave again. He said he felt like we needed to send it to you. When we were standing in the hallway talking to this thing, his dog started barking like crazy outside. And when we, when we went to see what was going on, we both thought we saw a woman standing in the dark corner of his living room. She was totally naked, oh. really old, and dripping water. Wait and a minute. Her- Sorry. I just thought of hereditary. Oh, my God. <laughs> the old naked people. Sorry. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yes. Um, so she was totally naked, really old, and dripping water, and her eyes sort of glowed in the dark. So a manifestation of the crone, basically. Oh, shit. Wow. I yeah. didn't even make that connection. I just thought hereditary. Nope. <laughs> manifestation of the crone. So she was hunched over near his shelves. We both freaked the fuck out and ran outside, and this was in the middle of the day. Whoever it was wasn't there when we went back in. We grabbed the statue and apologized again, wrapped it in a pillowcase, and put it in a box. He's just going to send it to you. To answer your questions, I didn't see any jewelry or pictures or anything by the statue, but there were a lot of leaves covering everything. There was some broken glass and a cup near the fire. My friend says he thinks there might have been some hair on it, but he brushed it off without thinking about it. We don't remember any weird symbols or anything in the cave. There were a lot of twigs piled around the foot of the statue, but that's it. Everyone has always talked about how people go into those parts of the woods to worship the devil and do ceremonies and stuff, even when my parents were kids. I fucking told him to leave the statue there because it was probably from some weird ceremony out there, but he never believed in ghosts or the devil or anything. Right now, it's sitting in the trunk of his car at his house. Give me your address and we'll mail it to you tomorrow. If I knew it was going to be this bad, I would never have let him take it out of that cave. Thanks for not calling us fucking idiots and telling us how stupid we are like the rest of the thread. Oh, gosh. And less than a week later, a small box arrived at Weird Headquarters, which is their main <laughs> office, addressed to the Traveling Museum of the Paranormal and Occult. So, moving on. <laughs> That's how it ends up in the hands of Greg and Dana Newkirk. Okay. So, 
Once they got the box, they cut it open and it revealed a hard lump in a stained pillowcase where they found the statue with the noose around its neck. But what was confusing to them was that the statue was clearly very old and weathered, but the rope tied around its neck couldn't have been more than a year old. Oh. So it's sounding like it was something that was used over the years, like for the same purpose. Whatever that was. Uh. (laughs) Um, So the Newkirks did what they always do. They took several pictures to capture the artifact, how it was when it arrived, took some notes and a few measurements, and then locked the office to go run some errands. Now, they get a lot of shit mailed to them, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, Because, you know, they're in the public eye, and they advertise that they have this occult museum. So people are always sending them, like, creepy clown dolls and weird paintings. (laughs) And... A lot of these weird items never really actually live up to their alleged reputation. So they didn't really think much into the crone, and it, to them it was just another day in the office. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, <laughs> psych. Psych. Uh, later in the evening, they were sitting in the living room watching TV when they were startled by a commotion in the office. Greg thought it was their two cats that were fighting, um, so he went to go break it up. But when he went to the office, he found that the door was still closed, and the cats were nowhere to be found, and were later to were later discovered to be uh, cowering under the bed, and they were too afraid to leave. So Greg went into the office. Um, Everything appeared to be normal until he stepped forward, and when he looked down under his foot, he found um, part of the Jesus figurine that was normally hung on a crucifix Uh-oh. on the wall. Uh-oh. And it was missing an arm. Oh. On the opposite side of the room, swinging on a cross, was his missing arm. <gasps> so something had managed to rip Christ from the crucifix without removing the whole thing from the wall, and it had thrown the figure across the room. Ugh. And Ew. the nail that was in his still-attached arm mm-hmm. and his foot mm-hmm. were gone. They were missing. Uh-oh. So. I'm just thinking about how there are nails in the crown. Yeah. 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 Isn't that crazy? Uh-huh. Um, they wasted no time in setting up a motion-activated camera for 24-hour surveillance, but nothing happened for about two months. Interesting. But on March 2nd of that year, this is still 2016, I believe, um, between 3 and 4 a.m., the witching hour, oh. again, <laughs> the camera triggered three times. And once they stitched the frames together, they were able to observe that the crone had moved ever so slightly on its own. Things only get stranger from here, folks. (laughs) Several weeks later, with no further activity captured, Dana called Greg into the living room, asking why he'd stood on the couch after a shower, pointing to wet footprints. Oh, no. So her understanding, like, from what I heard from her interview on ghosted was that she figured oh maybe he took a shower and came because there's a ceiling fan above the couch so Mm -hmm. she was like maybe he took a shower and then came in to change the light bulb as you do (laughs) (laughs) um but when he comes in he's confused because he hadn't taken a shower for hours for weeks (laughs) 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 honestly if you lived in a house with so many haunted objects just lying around i feel like i would never want to take a shower because like that's when you're the most exposed or i want to take a shower every day to like cleanse myself but i wouldn't use a shower curtain but then i'll be weird yeah (laughs) maybe or or i would have to have a shower that had a clear door or something but then it steams up so (gasps) you just can't and then it like Ah! writes in it oh 
can't. Okay. You just can't win. No. This is why I don't have haunted objects this in my house. This is why I never shower. <laughs> <laughs> I showered today. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little wins. Uh, okay. So... <laughs> On top of that instance, the earthy scent of pond water lingered for days, accompanied by an intense feeling of dread and paranoia. Um, Dana was bet in bed. Dana was in bed one night when she woke up and saw a tall shadow, which she had approximated to be about six feet tall, oh. standing in the doorway of her closet. Oh boy! And it, she said it was barely moving, but it was moving enough that she could tell it wasn't a piece of clothing. Mm. So that's not the crone that the other people saw, I'm assuming. No, unless it was like the silhouette of her. Yeah. Unless she was six feet tall. I mean, they didn't mention that she was six feet tall, the the guys, but I mean, she could have been. Wow. They just said it was this woman that was dripping. Naked. <laughs> Naked and dripping. Naked grandma. <laughs> Naked grandma. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, okay, so... One day, the overwhelming dread and scent of pond water became too much, and um, the Newkirks decided to have a sit-down conversation with the crone. So Greg took the statue from the office and placed it on the coffee table. And they proceeded to explain that they were happy to give the crone a home, but they had some house rules, which was a typical speech that they would give the other haunted artifacts if they started to act out. (laughs) Like, they kind of treated them like they were kids throwing tantrums. Yeah. Um, And they continued to explain that if they had left the crone with the hikers, it probably would have gotten burnt up or thrown away and reiterated that if it was going to stay there, it needed to treat them with respect or it was going in, quote, the box. Mm. And the box was reserved for artifacts that continued to not play nice in the past and they would get put in solitary confinement in this box, which and this threat usually was enough, but not in this instance. So as soon as Greg uttered the phrase... They were startled by the sound of rushing water from the other side of the house. Uh-oh. And you'll relate to this, but they dealt with a broken pipe before oh that spilled into <laughs> their laundry room. So, of course, they, they were panicked, you know. They right. thought that a, an actual pipe had burst and they were going to have to deal with that. But as soon as they rushed into the hall, the sound stopped. Oh, my God. And then back in the living room, they heard a dull thud. Ooh. And when they went to go investigate, they saw that the crone had rolled off the coffee table and under the TV stand. And when Greg went to retrieve the crone, he heard Dana gasp and w- gasped. And when she lo- when he looked up, he- she was holding the TV above his head <gasps> because it had started to fall over and would have crashed onto his head. Oh my god! I thought for a second you were gonna say she was like about just she was like possessed and about to throw the TV <laughs> on him. No, That's the TV terrifying. had started to fall oh and gosh. she caught it. Oh boy. And they had on, they only had a moment to share a look of fear before three loud knocks reverberated off the living room wall, which rattled the pictures on the walls and flickered the light bulb in the lamp. That and was that's in the what living room. you said last time, the three knocks yeah. is like a mockery of the Holy Trinity. Yep. Eee. So like all this shit happened like one after the other that is in a so short amount scary. of time. So into the box it went. <laughs> <laughs> They prepared a special box for the crone and wrapped it in the pillowcase it had arrived in and clicked a padlock shut. And the strange occurrences seemed to have stopped, at least temporarily. Mm. As they were subdued, if you will. But that doesn't stop them from taking it on tour. Oh, come on, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Idiots. 
So the crone was different from the other artifacts that they were take that they would take on the tour, um, but they still believe that the reality of the artifact was important to share with mm-hmm. others. Um, and so they did bring it on the tour, but with the co- caveat that it was a look, don't touch item, and they did keep it in the box. Interesting. Okay. But when people would go and look at the crone, they would experience all different types of symptoms. Um, including burning sensations in the eyes, Ooh. as if the statue was trying to avert the gaze of curious onlookers. Ew. Overwhelming fear and anxiety. And in one case, actually, they said this happened several times, but they in the interview, they used this one particular case of someone coming in and making fun of the artifact. So, you know, kind of like mm. boasting that they were a skeptic, saying like, this, this thing is stupid, it's mm. not real, whatever. Mm-mm. And then he came back the next day claiming to have gotten in a near-fatal car accident and that the crow was to blame. Sorry, that was me I have a few things. <laughs> I have a few things to say about that. One, how are you able to come back to this tour a day after getting in a near-fatal know, car accident? <laughs> and two, clearly you are a believer because you're not just going to all of a sudden flip to, yeah. you know? And also, why would you as a skeptic pay to go to a traveling, like, exhibit? Yeah, like, the, why would you like, spend your time doing other that's things? That's like these people <laughs> like, that want to you know, openly be like, you guys are stupid. All this is fake. But in reality, they do believe it and they just yeah. want to cause a ruckus. Oh, ruckus. <laughs> oh, boy. So, on, of course, on, on this traveling, in this traveling museum, a lot of the, um, a lot of the people that go are psychics and, and sensitives who, a lot of them had pretty visceral reactions to the crone. Um, some believed it was created as a vessel for inhuman spirits some believe it was a curse intended to blind and kill an unlucky victim. And their friend, the Newkirk's friend, an acclaimed psychic, Chip Coffee, wanted to straight up exercise the figure with holy water blessed by the Pope himself. Oh, wait, I definitely know who Chip Coffee is. I'm gonna, really? Yeah, I'm, not personally. <laughs> He's your best friend. <laughs> I'm going to Google image search him. I swear he had like a show on Lifetime. Anyway, continue. And another sensitive and medium whose name is April Slaughter. Oh, spent time reading the crone at the 20th annual haunted America conference in Alton, Illinois. We got to get on some of these things. I know, we really do. Um, she believed that what, whatever is attached to the crone is, a, is an it and not a she. And that the particular vessel and cave was used several times over the course of many years. The purpose wasn't always the same, but the carving and the entity attached to it was, which could explain the mismatched age of the carving nails and rope. Mm-hmm. Um, she also mentioned that whatever was contained within the crone knew she could see it and explain its purpose and was not happy about it. Oh, boy. Could you imagine, like, knowing that? No. Like, you continue doing the reading, but you're like, she's she, not about this. She, she wants me this. to not do this. Or it doesn't want to do it. <laughs> um, so people from all over the tour continue, continued to experience the smell of stagnant water, felt creeping onset, onset of the entity's presence and a few even captured photos of the artifact appearing to move on its own wow maybe in like live photos or something <laughs> i'm so fascinated fa- fascinated i'm so fascinated by this pond water smell yeah yeah it's i'll there's like a little side note that i'll mention later that mm-hmm. kind of explains that um so the tour taught the news the new kirks a lot about the possible origins of the crone statue which i guess is why they want to wanted to bring bring it on the tours because they they learn a lot about 
the artifacts that they bring in general just by how people react to them and, yeah, I bet. and all that stuff. So Greg's personal belief is that the crone was created as an attempt to summon the spirit of a local witch for purposes unknown, while Dana believes the figure was created as a sort of protection object used to ward a sacred ritual area. Hmm. And again, their friend and psychic Chip Coffee isn't sure why it was carved, only that the Babylonian spirit Marduk is attached to it. Now, here's that that note about the water. Marduk is often associated with water. Oh, okay. Chip coffee. Add it again. Yep. So while the crone was not on tour, the Newkirks were placing it under 24-7 live video feed, where it was observed by as many as 100 viewers at a time. Wow. And these viewers also experienced strange phenomenon while logging on and viewing the crone, like your painting. Mm Mm-hmm. Electromagnetic fluctuations, light anomalies, and feelings of general unease were reported by observers, <laughs> but the most frightening reports came from view- viewers who experienced strange activity manifesting in their own homes as they logged into the video feed. Power outages, electronic equipment failures, and burning eyes all seemed to announce the arrival of the familiar earthly pond-like scent, and in one case, a visit from the crone herself. The old lady? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> the old lady. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Naked grandma. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and in the final days of the carving surveillance, the Newkirks asked the viewers for experiment ideas and landed on using a voodoo coffin nail, holy water, and a crucifix as trigger objects. So they're really just trying to fuck with this wow. thing at this point uh, to see, like, poke. It's like poking the bear. It's literally poking the bear. Poking the bear. <laughs> on her last night under 24-7 watch, the crone appeared to flick the nail away. And there's actually a little, like, gif of it in this <gasps> on this thing. Let me... Okay, so here I forgot to show you this earlier, but that's the oh. the Christ figurine that got ripped off the wall. The the and that's, that's so scary. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Oh, and that's that's the footprints on the couch. Ew. Okay, here it is. Okay. <gasps> See. Yeah. Flick. So it in this, in this it. gif, it, it's like a second, two seconds long. The nail just gets like it's leaning up against the crone statue and it just like gets flicked off. Yep. Wow, that's really really creepy. Also mm-hmm. wild how clearly it's captured on video. Right. That's wild. I know. Um. Okay. So in July of 2016, Greg received a chilling message sent to the traveling museum of the paranormal and occult Facebook page from somebody that had been tuning in to the live feed, mm-hmm. and it reads as follows. Okay, I won't be viewing the crone anytime soon on the live feed. I have stayed up and watched your live events and your items being streamed for the past month. I am a former massage therapist with training in Reiki. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Reiki, Reiki. I think that's right, Reiki. Okay. Um, It's spelled R-E-I-K-I. Once I started my training was when I really started seeing and feeling the paranormal. Well, after last night's live feed, I stayed up to wish Billy hello. And Billy's another one of their... um, haunted items that they put onto the feed about 4 40 ish in this morning i woke up to the weight of someone sitting on my back Mm -hmm. i figured it was our two-year-old daughter that's how heavy this was when i moved i actually felt each leg-like limb (gasps) extend and slide off of me what my whole body was flushed with heat and broke out into immediate goosebumps and sweat a few moments later there was a loud bang followed by my two dogs running to the living room from their beds in our laundry room but the worst part of this is prior to waking up i was dreaming that a woman was whispering in my ear that greg had swallowed the missing crucifix nails that she dropped them in his mouth while he was sleeping that's why i wrote you guys i'm taking everything with a grain of salt as i know you will just wanted to share why i'm not going back to sleep tonight 
for my daughter's sake, I have to be a bit cautious. I have brought home strays before unknowingly. Oh, no. So, of course, Greg was in shock. <laughs> um, not just because, you know, that's that's jarring to read about yourself in yeah. general and just, like, to hear an experience that one of your viewers had had based off what you were putting out into the world. It's so, so upsetting. But also, he realized that just days after the, after the crone had arrived and started, you know, fucking shit up, dropping TVs, desecrating crucifixes, he had come down with severe stabbing stomach pains, which lasted about a week. Oh! <gasps> Like he swallowed the nails? Yes. Wow. The pain was enough for him to consider a hospital visit, but he never thought to connect the two before. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's so upsetting. (laughs) Right? Oh, no. Gross. uh, Give me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. So in addition to the live feed, the Newkirks, they, they do a 3D scan of... A lot of their haunted items, and I don't really know what a 3D scan involves. Say, like, that? does that mean like you can make like a like a digital hologram of it, or yeah? I'm envisioning like those 3D images of like a fetus. Oh, maybe <laughs> that could be it. Um, and they were gonna attempt this 3D scan of the crone on Halloween night, and like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And they they have a 3D scanner guy. <laughs> nice. They got a hookup. Yeah. Um, that was going to do it for them. And, but unfortunately their, their 3d scanner guy made a tasteless joke about the crone saying, quote, the crone can have my firstborn child as a sacrifice. What the fuck? Oh, okay. And that night he found his front door wide open and a trail of wet footprints leading to a puddle of water at the base of his child's crib. <gasps> oh my. Luckily the child had been staying with his mother-in-law that night. But like, what would have happened if the kid had been there? I don't even want to think about that. That is... Why would you why ever would you, do that? I know. Why would you ever, one, make a joke about that in a paranormal setting, but two, make a joke about that in general, about your kid? And if, you, if you're like... Okay, granted, he, they're probably paying this guy, so, you know, he just works for them, but, like, mm-hmm. if he does stuff like this for them before, he knows that these objects yeah. that they work with are, like, actually haunted, unless... You know, before he's never had an experience with them. He's just there for the check. But like, I don't know. What a careless thing to say. Yeah. So upsetting. (laughs) So, you know, for obvious reasons, he refused to conduct the 3D (laughs) scan at his house. So they had to do it at a hotel. So he does. He He still still does does it. He still does the scan, but he does just doesn't do it in his house. Um, And when and afterwards they were going to print it. Um, and when he was editing the file to print, he had to digitally remove the the noose and the nails, which required the digital removal of the head from the rest of the body. And when he did this, you could see a set of fingers that could be seen protruding from the neck. Ew. I couldn't find a picture of this. This was, this Uh was information I got from Greg and Dana's, um, interview on, on ghosted. Uh Um, so they, they confirmed it cause they saw the pictures too. Yeah. But they could see fingernail ridges and knuckles, like something was trying to crawl out of the crone. So clearly the origins of this crone were sinister, but the last straw took place at one of their larger paranormal events on tour in Michigan. So one attendee from Canada really wanted to see the crone, and and they pushed them to unlock the box Mm -hmm. and take the crone out. Mm -mm. They didn't do it, did they? They did. Harm could it have? Oh, like, you know, this thing is violent. Oh, uh, no. 
I guess they hadn't had like a really violent encounter yet, just like creepy shit and like it ripping things off walls. But like obviously, you like, know, you know that it can't end well, right? Yeah, and it shouldn't <laughs> have to be like it shouldn't have to get to violence before you're like, I'm gonna keep this thing hidden away. Like they, like you said, they know that it has. <laughs> I'm just laughing because anyway. this is so ridiculous. Like they, <laughs> they should have known better. Uh, and Lorraine would never. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. They would I'm not gonna slay her. They would have probably like buried it like yeah. to the earth's core. Yeah, probably. which is probably what they should have done. But like you know, hindsight is twenty. They're, what they do with it is what anyone should have done. But like probably immediately versus once it gets to this point. Yeah. So what happens is that immediately after they open the box, a force of energy. Now, like they would be pretty stupid to make this up because this was like a conference room full of people and Mm -hmm. witnesses. So an immediate force of energy shoots down the convention hall. Papers fly off tables. Lights flicker and swing from the ceilings. There's a woman who has a table set up where she's selling hundreds of dollars worth of books and her soda can explodes and spills all over the books, ruining them. Uh-oh. But the craziest thing is that there's a guy all the way at the back of the convention hall who his head flings back. Ugh. <gasps> And he is bleeding out of his mouth. Oh, my God. Is he dead? No, but he he has a horrible seizure and has to be taken out by paramedics. (gasps) No way. And after all this happens, obviously, the guy who asked to take it out starts crying (laughs) and profusely apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please put it back. I mean, frankly, it's not his fault. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Greg and Dana should have known better. But he should have known not to ask. (sighs) God. Crying. They wouldn't have taken it out if he hadn't asked. That's all I got to say. That's true. You're right. You're right. It's everybody's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that that's insane? Could you imagine like witnessing that? No. Like at a haunted paranormal convention center where all this stuff. It's like literally like some dark evil god like raised all this power. That's so frightening. And the body stuff again reminds me of hereditary like. But like when he's his like, body like snaps and he's like banging his ugh. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, so god. disturbing. Oh god, it's oh, no. <laughs> giving myself all the heebie-jeebies today. <laughs> okay, so after this, that's like the final straw, and the New Kirks decide that they need to make a plan to return the crone to its place of origin. Mm-hmm. So Greg tries reaching out to Danny, but to no avail. He pretty much seems to have abandoned any connection to the crone and to the place the carving was discovered, which, like, no, duh. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have any sort of, like, interaction with anything going on with this thing after what they experienced. Mm-mm. But they were still able to narrow the potential discovery point to a 500-plus acre piece of land in the Catskills, um, which in this specific plot of land has connections to early witchcraft trials in the Northeast. Oh. And they formulated a plan to seek out the cave. So Dana was going to attempt an unbinding ritual to this this statue. She was going to remove the sources of ne- negativity, the nails, the noose, bless it, and take it back to where it came from. So Dana actually teaches a lot of cr- classes about witchcraft and gives a bunch of lectures mm-hmm. um, about sympathetic magic and stuff. So she actually recruits about 100 witches from around the world to participate in this ritual. Whoa. Which, like, I, I want to I do that. In person? Like, no, so oh, okay. I thought at first it was in person, but I think that they are all just kind of like simultaneously, like oh, she gives it. them a time yes. and like they all simultaneously like do the same ritual um, all over the world. Wow. Yeah. 
is my understanding of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because I think the only people that make the actual trip are Greg and Dana, and then probably some people that, like, that are filming them, and um, they had a guy who they brought to make a mold out of the crone, so that they still had something like to like a to show to show for it, but right. that wasn't the actual crone. <laughs> um, so they hike to the location, and at sunset, Dana casts a circle, and the circle allows for the energy to build and to be channeled. So it's it's more of like their the ritual is more efficient and effective, basically. Okay. Um, and like so, it's easier to channel all of the energy. And as soon as she casts the circle, something immediately keeps trying to get in. Mm. It sounds like it's wearing big boots Ooh. stomping around the circle. Oh. Mr. Boots. Mr. Boots. Flash <laughs> crossover. Episode one, baby. <laughs> Ew, that's so scary. But no, it was probably the crown. <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> the crown picked up some boots. Okay. <laughs> and this stomping continued throughout the whole ritual. Wow. Um, so... They removed the nails, which Greg said were, like, unnaturally tied to the crone. It took his whole body weight of force to get them out. Wow. Then they consecrated the crone, and then as soon as they removed the noose, there was a pop of electricity in the air, and they all started crying because they knew whatever was tied to it was gone. What? Just like that? Well, I think I sped it up just, you know, but like it was a longer ritual than than that. And they had to like consecrate every single tool that they used and like, yeah. So it probably like the length of time that they had to, I don't know exactly if like she was chanting or if Mm -hmm. she was just like meditating to channel the energy. I don't know how long the whole thing took, but basically they, the whole ritual was just to disconnect whatever negative entity was attached to the physical statue wow so they heard this pop of electricity and that's when they all knew it was gone and they just kind of like started crying because it's like a cathartic release of Mm -hmm. negative energy um and at that same time all the coyotes on the mountain started to howl and they hadn't heard any howling the entire night until that moment animals know they do we talked about that like pets dogs Mm -hmm. cats they know animals know in the morning, they buried the figure, and there hasn't been issues associated with it since. That was... <laughs> Sorry. That was insane. That whole story was crazy. Right? right? It sounds like a movie. It does. Did you say at the beginning if there was a documentary about this? Or That brings me it? to my next okay. quote. <laughs> there is a documentary in the works. Oh, so man. this cop, Greg and Dana Newkirk, they like... They document everything. They're paranormal investigators, so they have documentation of every single haunted object that they get through pictures and video surveillance and whatnot. And so they have, they have, um, they have surveillance and footage of this thing this, from the second they got it. Wow. So they they have enough to make for at first I think they said it was supposed to be like a mini documentary mm-hmm. like a half hour kind of thing but now it's going to be a feature length documentary that's in production and it includes all the footage they have of the ritual live streams and any evidence that they had of their time with the crone and now they are pretty sure that they know what the crone was for and why what was done to it was done to it but they're leaving that information to be revealed in the documentary which is they say will hopefully be available later this year oh sweet and that is the insane story of the crone of the cat skills that was just like every single paragraph just got crazier i'm like looking at her read her notes every single paragraph <laughs> got crazier and crazier yeah 
Wow. I'm so excited for that documentary. We have to watch it when it comes out. Oh, yeah. For sure we will. And I want to watch their show that's on Amazon, too. It's called Hellier. How do you spell H-E-L-L-I-E-R? Yeah, like, I'm more hellier than you. Oh. <laughs> Hell-I-E-R. Oh, look at the... Oh, yeah. It's like an alien, right? It's just so scary. It's it an alien. Like, like an alien mixed with Voldemort. Ew. Has like a baby. Like, there's no nose. Yeah. Ew. It's like baby Voldemort. That's so <laughs> creepy looking. Wow. Yeah. That was phenomenal. Yes. I love that story so much. It's so crazy. It's got everything. How long did it... It's got everything. It How long did it take you to get all those notes together? Um, not that long. Damn. But it's because most of it was copy and paste paragraphs of the, <laughs> the Reddit threads. That's true. Did the guys on Reddit ever... In, like, did the... I forget the other guy's name. Not Danny. Did he ever take pictures of what was going on in his house? No. Not not that I could find or that Greg and Dana had mentioned. I don't yeah. think they wanted to, like, investigate Fair. it at all. I think he just wanted to get rid of it or yeah. get out of the space that it was in. I mean, I think, like, if I was... If something like that was happening in my apartment, I probably wouldn't think to stop and take pictures. Or, like, if the thought crossed my mind, it would be like, this is not a priority right now. I'm too scared. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So basically, yeah, like I said, all of the information I got was from the article that um, Greg had written on their website, uh, Week of Weird. Um, so that that's where I got most of my information. And then I also got like I filled in because that that article was written in 2016 and they didn't do the ritual until I want to say 2018. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they'd been dealing with this thing for several years. Wow. Had, so once the, the guy got rid of it from his house, did they ever say if, like, did he stop experiencing things? I I think he did, because I feel like if he had continued, he probably would have written Greg again. Right. Um, so I think, and like the, I said, they tried to reach out to him again, and he was just like, nah, don't involve me. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Smart. He learned his lesson. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Probably didn't want his friend to get involved either. Probably so. not. So, yeah. That was phenomenal. Well, I think we're at that point of the episode where it's time for our paranormal protection tip of the week. Yeah. Resume. <laughs> okay, so we figured since today we're doing cursed objects, we you know do a tip in that vein, in that category. So this one we found online, and it's about how to be careful when shopping for antiques. So antiques are obviously old things that have once belonged to someone else before they made their way into the antique shop. And if you're buying something really old, like really, really old, its previous owner is probably dead. Um, antiques are popular vessels for spirits that are possibly malevolent, uh, vicious, evil. I mean, I think you like hear stories about that all the time. People buying things from pawn shops, antique stores, bringing it home, and then their life goes to shit. Um, so... If you buy an object that's really old from an antique shop and you're feeling a little like suspicious about it, um, it's recommended that you get it blessed by a priest, uh, a shaman, or a spiritual leader relevant to your culture or personal beliefs first, if you have those, um, or else keep it locked up with a crucifix or a talisman um, until you can get it inspected and blessed. So there you go. Stay safe, folks, when you're shopping for antiques. Yep. And that wraps up episode three. That was a good one. That was a great <laughs> one. I cannot wait for you guys to listen to that. I know. It's going to be great. Um, 
so yeah, thanks for those who are listening who got this far. <laughs> um, you know, you can find, well, you might not know. This is only episode three. You can find us on Instagram at DFWG podcast. Give us a follow. If you have your own spiritual encounter that you want to share, you can write it into our Gmail at DFWG podcast at gmail.com. Or like we said earlier, just text us, send us an audio file, whatever you want to do. Um, we have a website, it's dfwg.podbean.com, where you can listen to the episode or you can listen anywhere you can find podcasts. At this point, you already are listening to us. You know where to find us. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's it. Thanks again for listening. Yeah. Uh, you- so use your intuition when antique hunting. And you know the drill. Stay the fuck away from Ouija boards. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.